Welcome to Flowing East and West, The Perfectly Imperfect Journey. I'm Sherry Essig, an executive and life coach, and I work with people who are done settling for less than success and happiness. And I'm Ann Roby, an HR advisor and consultant focused on building strong employee engagement and meaningful company culture. So Sherry, it's the beginning of the new year. Happy 2024. Happy new year to you as well. And I just have to say, I cannot believe that it is now 2024. It is crazy. It seems like 23 went in a blink, which somewhat relates to kind of some of the stuff we want to talk about today. There is so much negative, yucky stuff going on in the world right now. And as we were thinking about this episode and how we wanted to kick off the new year, we really thought talking about happiness might be one of the things that might be helpful and useful to people. And it's an interesting thing because the reason I think it's related to that, you know, 23 went in a blink thing is because we're busy people. We've got a lot going on. There's stuff to do and all of the things. And I think sometimes it can feel trite to think about something like happiness. You know, I remember just back in December when Time Magazine named Taylor Swift the person of the year there was a lot of negative blowback and reaction to that because people sort of said when things are so bad or so dark or, you know, how dare we focus on something light like that. And yet I actually think when things are sort of the darkest is when we really do need to focus on something like happiness to help get us through. I completely agree. And interestingly, a couple of days ago, I had dinner with a friend of mine who just retired after a career as a psychoanalyst. And we were chatting. She asked what was coming up on the podcast. And when I told her we were going to be working on an episode on happiness, her reaction was very interesting to me because she said, that is really, really good because Times are so dark and so hard right now that it is very easy to fall into despair. And falling into despair is the last thing you want to have happen because it's just then a terrible downward cycle. And I thought it was interesting timing to have that dinner right before we were getting ready to record the episode. I mean, it is interesting because I really thought a lot about that when when Time Magazine did the Taylor Swift thing. And whether or not anybody listening thinks she should have been named Time Magazine Person of the Year, that's not really the point I'm making. And the point I'm making is more that there was such this negative reaction about how dare you focus on something sort of so light and trite. And yet, you know, I really feel like whether it's in those really dark moments, like what your friend was talking about, or even when things are good, it's kind of easy to forget that just like almost anything else that we talk about on the podcast, we might have moments of happiness or moments of joy, but we really kind of need to cultivate happiness just like we cultivate other things. We've talked about other things on the podcast, like building a muscle. And I think it's sort of the same with happiness that we could just kind of merrily or not merrily, depending on what's going on, go along in our lives and not really stop and think about it too much. It somewhat reminds me of that Socrates quote that the unexamined life is not worth living. Well, it's a little harsh and I 
<laughs> it's a very broad statement. It is, and it is a little harsh for sure. It does make me think about the importance of pausing and thinking about feeling into what really does make us happy. So when you think about happiness, what does it mean to you? How would you define it? So one of the things I did when we were getting ready for the episode is I looked up a dictionary definition of happiness. I was just very curious what a very straightforward definition would be. And the Merriam-Webster dictionary defines happiness as a state of well-being and contentment and joy. And what really resonated for me with that definition is it doesn't say anything about excitement or exuberance or extreme enthusiasm. I'm going for as many E-words as possible. And it speaks very much to some of the things you were just saying that happiness is something that is cultivated. Happiness is something that is often found by examining your life, by paying attention to the moments, by looking at what you are grateful for. And, you know, it's interesting because I recently read an article in the New York Times about Finland having been awarded happiest country on earth for the sixth year in a row. And I remember when I said something to you, your comment was, that's so interesting because I don't really think of... I know a lot of Finns and I don't think of them as like super happy. Yeah. Right. And so there was this consistent theme in all of this for me. What was interesting about the article is they interviewed, I don't know, six, seven, eight people that were all in very different stages of life and lived in different parts of the country. And all of them were like, well, I wouldn't describe myself as happy. And it was things like contentment, well-being. There were comments about having agency to pursue their interests. And it was very much things that went to day-to-day living. I think somebody commented that it really made them happy to live in a country that was so focused on sustainability. But it was very much things that we can cultivate, very bite-sized kinds of things. Well, the other thing that I hear you saying, and I think is so true, I mean, I I too, I like that definition from Aaron Webster, but it's also quite different for different people. And so small example, I was talking to our mutual friend and previous guest on the podcast, Jeff Slater. Hey, Jeff. And he made this kind of funny comment about how he and his wife really like nestling in at home and being quiet. I think he even jokingly said antisocial. My reaction was like, oh my God, I moved to San Diego to get away from that more quiet. I wanted a little bit more life and and neither is wrong and neither is right, right? But for me, happiness is a little bit more extroverted and happiness is a little more access to things and getting to engage in ways that I want to engage. And while Jeff and I weren't exactly talking about happiness, I just noted it because he had this big smile on his face. I, you know, I just love being at home. And and so it's it's interesting. One of the things that you really talked about from that New York Times article is this idea of contentment. And we studied that in our yoga teacher training as well. And it's this idea of santosha and not being attached to the way we'd like things to be, but to be content with the reality. So it somewhat reminds me, Sherry, of the book you told me you just reread Man's Search for Meaning. And while that wasn't directly about happiness, you saw some parallels, yeah? 
for sure. So for those of you who aren't familiar with the book, it was written by a man named Viktor Frankl, who was in a concentration camp. He was an Austrian Jew and in a concentration camp for a number of years. And his whole book is about the importance of finding meaning, no matter what your circumstances. And he observed that for so many of his fellow prisoners who would die from disease, that it was much more predictable that those who had given up all hope, as soon as they got sick with something, they would die. And for those who had found meaning in something, that many of them also died, but it was many of them did not that you would have expected would have. And for him, he found meaning in staying focused on being reunited with his wife. And the possibility of that was enough meaning for him to keep going and to hang on to that. And what I find so compelling about that book, as hard as it is to read, is that those are horrifically awful, dire, borderline hopeless circumstances. And to be able to have the capacity to find a piece of meaning that you can really hang on to, just to me, it feels a bit like, man, if he can do it in those circumstances, a lot of us should absolutely be able to find a way to do that, even when things are really hard. And it's not to say that when things are really hard or dire or terrible, that you should just be like, whatever, I'm just going to choose to be happy. That's not what we're saying. I, I think what the parallel we're drawing is, is that even when things are bleak, there is an opportunity to take account of what things are important to us and to find joy and meaning in the smallest of of things. And at least in that book, it was really about meaning and a little bit of hope. When we think about happiness and how we cultivate happiness, the way he was practicing it was like kind of that every day of thinking about his wife. And it's, again, like we said at the beginning, it's a bit like a muscle. So happiness needs to be practiced. So one of the ways we have talked about happiness in other episodes and just when you and I have had conversations about happiness is that one of the components of happiness is having a sense of meaning in some part of your life. And so they are different, right? Finding meaning. We did an episode on purpose and there's no good reason to start to parse words because then you just get tangled up in knots. But I would suggest that having something that's meaningful in your life is part of happiness. So just to segue a little bit here, Anne, I want to just talk for a minute about the social scientist, Daniel Gilbert. He is a professor of psychology at Harvard. He's written this fantastic book called Stumbling on Happiness. And one of his big underlying premises is that humans are very bad about imagining the future and guessing or forecasting what's going to make them happy. And he did this really fascinating study quite a while ago, it's probably 15 plus years ago, where he looked at a group of assistant professors who were all going to be up for tenure in six months. 
And he was doing a study on how well could they predict their happiness. And so six months prior, he had them all self-assess their level of happiness. Once they had tenure or didn't get tenure six months later, he went back to them. And no surprise, everybody had predicted they would be happier if they got tenure and less happy if they didn't. Those results had held true. But what was fascinating was six months later, everybody had gone back to their baseline level of happiness. And there's a couple interesting things in there is what we imagine will make us happy is often a destination, right? Like, oh, there I will be happy. Once I achieve that. Right. right. And part of the reason everybody went back to their baseline is everything else in their life was the same. They still had the same life. Yes. Some people had achieved this huge milestone. Some people had putting air quotes around, like failed to achieve it in that moment, but everything else about their life was the same. And so it's really this idea that, and I'm going to just pull some words from Daniel Gilbert, that we are designed to pursue happiness, not to find it. I think that's a really important distinction to make in that it's not once all these things go right for me or once all of this stuff, it's really about mindset. Like we've talked about in other episodes. And like I said at the beginning, it's so much about figuring out how to find some level of santosha or contentment with the moment that you find yourself in. It somewhat reminds me of this, you know, there's been a lot of articles about lottery winners and people think they'll be so much happier when they win a ton of money. And, and it's very similar. The fact is, is at first they are, and then they find themselves in exactly the same circumstances they were before they had the money. And so It's not that money in and of itself can make you happy. Sure, when you think about Maslow, it can can ease some of the burdens at at the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy, but it can't actually fundamentally change how happy you are. It's really about your own level of finding meaning, to go back to Viktor Frankl. And it is very counterintuitive that if suddenly somebody has, this is very tangible, like they now have a lot of money and for some people they can really improve their physical circumstances. Again, that bottom rung of Mavsov's ladder of needs. But if you already have tight, close, warm connections in your life, you're still going to have those, right? If you don't, you're still not going to have them. If you don't have meaning in your life, you're still not going to have it. And so as counterintuitive as it is, those studies to me really validate this idea that it is the journey, not the destination, which is why we have called our podcast, The Perfectly Imperfect Journey, is that it is in that journey that you grow and you can practice gratitude and you can find contentment and yes, things are hard, but that's where a lot of the ahas come from. And it's very much this idea that happiness is something that you work at and you pursue. It doesn't just happen. I think that's right. And it somewhat reminds me of that NPR piece that I shared with you about how to find more happiness and joy in your life. And one of the suggestions was micro actions. And so much of it had to do with helping others. There's a whole thing about 
paying for the person's coffee behind you when you're in the Starbucks line or small ways to make people smile or going out of your way to to really make somebody else's day. You know, often we think about these big, huge things that we think are going to be the the thing, the new car, the new house, the new, 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 whatever. And really it's the small moments, whether you're doing it to somebody else or just think about like the immense amount of happiness you received when somebody did one of those nice small things for you recently as well. I think it's worth looking at what are the things that actually can change our meter of happiness, if you will, and to consider though, you know, how do I bring more of what really brings me joy and I can share that joy with other people and less, you know, sort of push to the side some of the the things that are a little bit sucking the life out of you, if you will. I have a client who calls them joy pops for herself. And so here is my personal favorite joy pop is there is a video that has been floating around on the internet forever of this baby laughing. And it just plays on a loop. And it is impossible to watch this and to listen to this baby laughing and to see its face and to see the sheer pleasure and joy that is emanating from this little tiny human it's impossible not to smile and feel a moment of joy. You know, it just struck me when you mentioned that. I I know the video, it's super cute, but it just struck me like how much more access children have to joy because they're not busy regulating themselves, because they're not busy with all of the other kind of shit that we let get in our heads. The opposite is true as well. They're very quick to also exhibit when they're not very joyful But in some ways, that's what leads to the joy also, right? Because they're able to, if they're upset or hungry or whatever it might be, they kind of get it out. And it's almost like it's wiping the board clean for the joy to come in in some ways. I would agree with that. So something that we haven't explicitly talked about in the context of happiness, but we've talked about it so many other times, is the importance of practice. So going back to your comment at the beginning of our conversation, that happiness is a muscle and with a muscle, you are either strengthening it or it is weakening. There is no static state. And I would say happiness is very much, very, very much something that benefits from being practiced. Well, the static state thing is interesting too, right? So we've used the example before, if you stand on one foot, you might balance for a moment, but if you have a thought or the earth shifts a little bit, or I don't know, the wind blows, like whatever, you're going to kind of get off balance. And just like you said earlier, since there isn't a destination called happiness, it's this pursuit of happiness, which just as a really quick aside very interesting that 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 is in the constitution of the United States as well. The pursuit of happiness being one of our inalienable rights, super interesting. But as we are in that pursuit, it is a matter of identifying the things that actually bring some happiness and joy and not assuming like we've been talking about this whole episode, it's the big things, not assuming it's the, when I win the lottery, when I get the job, when I get the dot, 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 whatever, it is finding those things that actually give us that little moment of pleasure. So another thing about happiness is it is contagious. 
And so as wonderful as these joy pops are for each of us individually and how lovely it is to do something that's going to make somebody else joyful or give them a moment of happiness or just make them feel good. There's also this effect of it being ever widening circles. It is contagious and so is despair. It's sort of like the be cognizant of what you are bringing into any given situation or relationship or whatever. And if you are in that really downward spiral of things, it's easy to pull folks along with you. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't feel all the feelings because what we just said is part of the reason that the baby can be happy is that it also gets the sadness out or the pissed offness or whatever. But it is a matter of understanding the impact that you're having on others. And there are times when you can choose to have that more positive impact instead of that more negative impact. And I would add that even if you are in a place of, I am just so sad today, or I'm having such a hard day today, and I'm not sure that I can come in with a positive impact, it's being cognizant that I'm not coming in with a negative impact. Yeah, like asking for help. So I'm really sad or bummed out or upset or whatever the emotion is today. Being really emotionally honest about that. And there's times when you can ask for help because there's those people in your life, you know, that can either just be with you when you're in that moment, you know, allow the, we'll continue the baby example, allow the temper tantrum or the crying or the whatever. Um, And then once that is out of the system, to sort of start the journey back to finding a little bit of happiness. And I do want to just be super clear. We are not advocating the don't worry, be happy approach to life. Although the song is super catchy and I do like the song, but uh, that is not at all what we are saying. It is really just cultivating a practice of being aware of what you can do to bring joy and positivity into your life cultivating a practice of how to navigate when you feel shitty and when you need help and you need support and having a practice of looking for meaning no matter what is happening. Yeah, I love that. I think that that looking for meaning is a way when you are in those darker moments to start getting your way out of the hole. To your point, there are times that you You need to excise what's happening. You need to deal with that reality as well, whatever's shitty and and going on. But even, you know, we started this episode talking about there's some dark things going on in the world right now. And even in the midst of a gross darkness, there is an ability to find moments of happiness and joy. And so much of it has to do with our perspective. And our willingness to seek that meaning to figure out what actually can pull us out or make us happy. I mean, I know for both of us, we've talked about, you know, if I don't get the opportunity to exercise, like for me, there's a lot of physical release if I'm having a shit day or if I'm whatever, like if I can get out near the ocean and go for a walk or a run or practice some yoga or whatever that might be, I can start to shake some of it off. And while I may not find extreme happiness 
you know, if I'm having one of those those days or those moments, I'm at least starting to shed some of the dark cloud and I can try to start working my way back to some happiness. And I think that's what we're suggesting to people is to recognize that even when things are falling apart around us, that there's still opportunity to maybe not embrace the entire moment or the entire situation as happy or joyful, but to find some moments of it, even when things look pretty bleak. Yeah. I'm not quite sure why what you just said made me think about a comment that Tal Ben-Shahar said, who we took that amazing foundations of positive psychology from years ago. He says, has said it multiple times over the course, when we appreciate the good, the good appreciates. So part of what we are saying is as we all start a new year to bring in a practice around appreciating the good, especially right now. No, I like that. There's a million ways to do that. Oprah has talked about a gratitude journal forever. Last year, the year before, I can't remember, we talked about my practice of having a little jar where we write things that we're grateful for and sticking them in. And so that's a piece of it. There's the appreciation part. There's the figuring out for yourself. Because it's, again, back to Jeff, His he really finds quite a bit of happiness. And what is that term? It looks like huggy, but I think it's huggy. Is that how you pronounce it? I think it's huga. Huga. So basically the, the idea of comfort and to different people, this is going to mean different things. For me, it's being out and about. For our friend Jeff, it's being a little bit more nested in. So what are the things we're going to invite you, our listeners, to think about? Where do you find that happiness? And P.S., for somebody like me that really wants to be out and about, maybe it's good to experiment with a little bit more quiet and going inward. Maybe for our friend Jeff, a little bit of experimenting of being a little bit more outward focused, just to test, just to see, like, is this really, have I overdone it on the, on the extroversion, but to cultivate those things in our lives, which bring us some of those moments. So Sherry, I think that's probably a good place to wrap up our episode for today. On behalf of both of us, I want to wish everybody a super happy new year, emphasis on the happy Look for opportunities to cultivate happiness, joy, maybe starting with a little bit of gratitude. Well, I know something that is on my list, and I'm certain it is on your list as well, Anne, is so much gratitude for all of our listeners and all of your comments and feedback. And we are just so very grateful for you. So we really hope that you enjoyed the episode today and would love it if you would share our podcast with a friend, give us a rating on iTunes or post it to your own social media. You can find information in previous episodes at flowingeastandwest.com. Until then, please join us next time for Flowing East and West, The Perfectly Imperfect Journey.